Now, today is the launch, as you heard uh, Swen share just now. Um, today is the launch of our 40 days of fast and prayer. I want to bring you a word about the kingdom of God and the authority and the intimacy of going, coming face to face with the king, right? Spending time with God. How many of you, um, you feel that, that uh, these 40 days, you really want to jumpstart? your prayer life like it may not be like great it's not fantastic or maybe it's not bad and you want to take it to the next level right how many of you you feel that yes i would like to i wish my prayer life was better right you don't even have to raise your hands i know that most of us will say yes there's almost none of us will say no i don't want a good prayer life almost all of us will say yes but here's the thing when you come into the place where God inhabits, when you come into His presence, when you come into His into a place where His where He hosts, he, he you're hosting His presence, a place where He is. There is power in that place. It becomes a place of encounter. Now, two weeks ago, I shared with you. Remember the train lines. How many of you remember the train lines? Right, right. The train lines is not about train lines. Right. It's all about. It's just a way to help you see that God crashes into earth. That God who is out there in the in the highest heavens, creator of the heavens and earth, comes and interfaces with the world we live in, and there is a place where it intersects. And that place where heaven and earth intersect is the place of encounter. And this 40 days, we are all going to regularly enter into that place of encounter. And that place, at that entering, that inhabiting, that being in His place where He is so we are, is going to have a transforming effect on all of us. That's what this 40 days is all about. And so, um, and so I, I've just been spending time in Moses uh, uh, um, and his narrative and how he entered his own place of encounter. And I want to show you an example. There was, Moses had so many um, really intimate encounters uh, with God. And so today I want to show you that in the intimacy of your place of encounter, out of it will come the authority out of it will come the power. Out of it will come the strength. Out of it will come the spiritual uh, uh, gumption to stand before the world and say, this territory belongs to the Lord. And all other powers, every other would-be counterfeit king will have to receive. That's what it means. But first, we must go into a place of intimacy. And so, my friends, today I want to share with you the word in two major points, right? Two major movements. It is the intimacy of knowing God deeply. And out of that will come the authority to manifest God decisively. Somebody say intimacy. Intimacy. And intimacy is to know God truly deeply, profoundly, personally, and out of a place of knowing him, him intimately, you learn to exercise and to be able to stand wherever you go. You manifest his authority decisively, with strength, with power, without question, without doubt. You do. Why? Because you have first entered into the place of being close to God. And so I want to start by talking about this place of being intimate with God. Um, let me show you some stuff uh, that, that our old man Moses uh, went through, right? Um, Exodus 33, verse 9. When Moses entered the tent 
the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and Yahweh would speak with Moses. Now, I just want you to picture this. Remember, this is the time of the tabernacle. And in the time of the tabernacle, Moses, they, 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 they are traveling. They're traveling on, in, in, in caravans, so to speak, right? They, they, get, they get pack up their tents, they move. And they set up one tent. That is God's tent. It's called the tabernacle. And every time Moses goes to visit with God, right, the pillar of cloud will descend and rest in front of it as a sign that Moses is there with God, that God's presence is there face-to-face um, uh, -face with Moses. Thus, Yahweh used to speak to Moses face-to-face -face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, that's quite crazy. And uh, maybe we don't really think about it. Maybe we, 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 we look back at the Old Testament um, with the New Testament lens and we, we have learned to be close with Jesus. We call him our friend. We say what a friend uh, we have in Jesus. And you, and you understand what it's like um, to, or at least in, in, in theory, we understand that we're supposed to come face to face with God. But you must, you must also remember that for Moses, just prior to this, really not long before this, the mountain was quaking, there was fire, everything was shaking, and the instruction was, if you do not, if you are not right before me, if you are not the one called by me to come into my presence face to face, and you touch this mountain, you die, right? And maybe today we lose a little of that sense of awe and reverence and fear and just trembling that the God who created the, the heavens and the earth is powerful, is great, is mighty, he is bigger and greater than anything we can even imagine. That's our God. That's our God. And this God now comes face to face with Moses. He comes face to to face with Moses. My church, these 40 days, in your own place of encounter, are you going to come face to face with God? Are you going to, is that time that you're going to spend with God going to transform you? Or is it just going to be you walk in, you walk out, nothing, just attend church six weeks, 40 days, after that, change program. Or are you going to really come into His presence, into a presence and into a power where face-to-face -face He does something incredible, something new with you? Behold, the winter is over. It says in Songs uh, of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Behold, the winter is over. Look, look, I'm doing a new thing. He says in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, if I'm not mistaken. Church, He is doing a new thing. He is encountering you. But... What happens when he encounters you? One of the first things that happens when he encounters you is you come face to face, not even with him, but he reflects you back to yourself. And when you come face to face with God, you, he really takes you on a journey where you come face to face with yourself. In Romans chapter 8, it says, For now we see only but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see what? Face to face. For now, I know in part, I, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. What is this verse trying to say? It says that now all our pursuit of God is imperfect. Now all of our seeking of God will be in part. It will just be partial. We will only get a partial glimpse. And so, Paul gives us this image of the disciple looking into a mirror, trying to see if I reflect God 
Do you sometimes think, do I reflect God when you look into a mirror? The moment you wake up, before you put on your makeup, you look in the mirror and you think, is that reflecting God? Is that reflecting God? And you think, just like this guy here, right? You see but a poor reflection. And what is that poor reflection? You just see yourself and you see so much brokenness, so much in, in, in imperfection, so much sin, so much uh, mess, so, much, so, so, so many failings. You see your past failures, you see all of those things. And when you start to come into a place of encounter with God, the first face-to-face He's going to bring you uh, to see is to be face-to-face with yourself. So that when you come to Him, He shows you, this is you. This is what you look like, but I love you. This is what you look like, but I'm here for you. This is who you are. So that there is no pretense. So that there is no, there is no fronting. So that there is no um, trying to fake it. We say we fake it until we make it. Sometimes we feel the, that, that we are forced to fake it until we make it. And then we come home and we have imposter syndrome. We're so, we we're so um, uh, uh, worried that one day we'll be found out. And when you stand in front of that mirror, the Lord says, I show you who you are to yourself. But He does it lovingly, you know. How many of you, you hate receiving feedback from people, right? And maybe it's because sometimes we don't know how to give feedback lovingly. Maybe it's because we don't know how to uh, um, uh, reflect someone back to themselves in a way that guards their heart, in a way that builds them up. But my friends, when God shows your face back to you, first, He's going to work on all the parts of you that He says, I'm going to come into this place. And then Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 comes in, right? Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God is going to come. He's going to come and reveal, reveal Himself through His written Word. And His written Word is not just going to be head knowledge. It's going to be transformative so that you start off by reading the Word. You end off by the Word reading you. And it comes through you. It goes through you and it transforms you. It actually, when you take it seriously, when you yield your heart to obey Him in all the things He's saying, the Word is going to transform you. And when you encounter Him in the place of encounter in this 40 days, He's going to do something in your heart. He's going to circumcise your heart and transform you and turn you around. You can't do that. I can't do that. So that's all banging on the, on, on the door. A million days cannot achieve that. But knock and the door will be open because the Lord will open the door. Amen? Same for every single one of us. He causes us to encounter ourselves, the reality of who we are. He causes us to see First, but a reflection, a poor reflection in the mirror. But then, then one day, then one day in the future, we shall see face to face. What does that mean? It means that one day, the vision that, that, it, that replies me in the mirror will resemble God more and more and more until one day I stand before the King Himself. I stand before the King Himself and that day I shall see Him face to face, even as Moses saw Him face to face. Amen? How many of you, you long for that day? You long for that day when you can lay down the burden of the expectations the world has for you. You can lay down your self-loathing, your, your, your self-image problems. You don't like the way you look. You don't like the way you are. You don't like how you talk to people. And the day will come 
he will take you to a place where he reflects himself back to you. It's a journey. It's a journey of many years. It's a journey of many years of 40 days after 40 days after 40 days. But stay on him. He will take you there. Now, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin on, of his face, wow, this is SK2 action here, okay? The skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. And this is really trying to say in a real ancient experience for us today, when you come into the place of encounter and you stay there, the manifestation of God becomes visible through you. And this is a really the same idea as, as the one before this of Romans 8. Because when you look in the mirror and you see more and more of God, when people look at you, they see more and more of God in you. And what's really happening here for Moses is when he spends time face to face with God, he comes down from the mountain and they see something has changed. He's not the same Moses as before he went up the mountain. He's shining. His skin is glowing. And if you're thinking, oh, can one not? Like that, I also went through 40 days, right? Maybe it's the fasting. I, I don't think so. I think God, God's presence causes you to change. And what's happening here is that when people see him, they recognize that he has been with God. When people see him, they recognize that he is reflecting the power of God, that he has been there in the oven cooking and he's coming out and he's just burnished his, his bronze, he's burning. You can feel him. And that, my friends, is spiritual authority. That, my friends, is a transference from the place of intimacy. You spend time with God and you come out and you start looking like the one you spend time with. Do you not know, my friends, that over time you become, really, you become like the five people you spend the most time with. You all realize that? Can every one of you think of the five people you spend the most time with? Children count as one, right? <laughs> And you spend, the more time you spend with them, I've noticed that sometimes you change to a new workplace and you've got new colleagues. And after a while, you start talking like them. Your mannerisms become a little bit more like them. Your taste in things, you know, you, you started trying watching, you know, a, a, a new TV series or whatever it is because of the people around you. You really do become the aggregate of the five people you spend the most time with. What principle is at work? The principle of transference who you spend time with, it transfers onto you. You transfer to them too. Except that I don't think we can transfer to God, right? You, it, there's a transference that happens when you come face to face with people. And intensity and frequency, the more intense the encounter, the more intimate the relationship, the more frequent it is, the more the principle in the law of transference takes place. And the more that transferring takes place, the more you're going to walk out from the place of intimacy into a place of authority. And you can stand before powers of darkness. You can stand before cancer. You can stand before sickness. You can stand before mental uh, health problems. And you can pray. That's when you can command. That's when you can say, in the name of Jesus, get out. And I've seen this happen before. 
I've seen it happen before with my own eyes. I've stood before demonized men and they shake and they cry and they wail and they fall and gosh, they are heavy. Way heavier than their, themselves than they would, really would. And when they declare the name of Jesus, because the atmosphere is full of the transference of God, the spiritual authority is real, and you command this enemy to leave, and the enemy leaves. I've seen it happen. Like a breath, ah! And suddenly his voice changes, his eyes change, and now he can lift his hands up to praise Almighty God. What just took place? Spiritual authority came in and took charge so that the enemy cannot come in and take charge and run riot and rule this house. The enemy cannot rule this house. We cannot allow the enemy to rule this house. But when we bicker, when we fight, when we have, when we have um, bitterness, when we gossip, when we don't like each other, when we're all of these kind of things, the enemy is controlling. And he may not, he may allow like a puppet pastor to come and, and whatever it is, but, but you're not, he's controlling. But let it never happen that the enemy has, has a foothold in our lives. And whatever happens here could be happening in your own life as well. Sometimes we are just not walking right with God. And in those days, all kinds of weird things happen. Have you ever seen that before? You go into seasons where everything seems to fall apart and you start asking yourself, what's wrong? Is there something going on? Spiritual authority. Going to a place of intimacy, the law of transference, and then you come out with authority to declare and hold your ground so that every enemy must back out. That's what's happening with Moses. In Jeremiah 24, he says, God says, I will give them a heart to know that I am Yahweh and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. My friends, this, by the way, is the theme. Nationwide in Malaysia, starting today, we're beginning 40 days of fast and prayer. And on your seats, you will have a card, just like the one I have over there, right? And every one of you will have a card. This year, this card. And you will see on the back of it. Don't worry about it now. I'll walk you through it. But the verse, the anchoring verse for the whole of Malaysia, all the churches of Malaysia for 40 days, we are going to pray. We're going to fast. Why? Because God is, is saying to us, I'm going to give them a heart to know. So it always begins, remember, at a place of intimacy. I'm going to give them a heart to know who I am. And after that, being in that place of intimacy, then He does something in your life, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, in our country. I give them a heart to know that I am Yahweh. Church, do you know who Yahweh is? Do you know your God? Do you know what He is like? Do you know what He stands for? Do you know what He can't stand? There is an NECF booklet. I believe that our main church, Sapu, everything, bam, gone already. Like literally like that, gone, right? But if you go to the NECF website, you can download uh, a digital copy of it. There is also a children's version of it. For those of you who are online at Zoom right now, uh, I believe the, the team, the online team uh, will be dropping you the file itself in Zoom. So in Zoom, you can just download the actual file. Um, so that should be coming in for you as well, if that's okay, right? Now, in that booklet, day by day, if you're not the sort um, who, who can discipline yourself into some reading plan, that book will give you a daily reading plan. 
and it will give you um, uh, reflections every day. And it takes you from knowing God who is your Redeemer, to God who is your Shepherd, to God who is your Lord, to God who is your Defender. And it takes you day by day, week by week, to understand the, who our God really is. Then, then you shall return to me with your whole heart. Amen. So these 40 days, uh, we will be having, we'll be having altars. We'll be praying, right? It's an intensification of praying. And God doesn't just want to bring you to a place of face to face, but in the place of face to face, He's going to bring you to a place of heart to heart. Somebody say heart to heart. Heart to heart. Right, because you see in the in the immediately uh, uh, previous verse, they shall return to me with their whole heart. I was recently preaching about the circumcised heart from Deuteronomy, uh, uh, final chapters in main church, and about how God says, "I'm going to circumcise your heart so that you will obey." Wait a minute, you mean if you don't circumcise my heart, I can't obey? I'm going to circumcise your heart so you will obey. Every single one of us needs to yield our heart to God first so that He can come and circumcise our heart. What does circumcise your heart really mean? Let me attempt. To circumcise your heart means to allow God to cut out the parts which are of our own flesh, which are of our own agenda, which are of our own desire for our own fame, for our own name, for our own uh, joy, for our own pleasure, for our own sinful uh, um, desires. And he says, I'm going to come into that place and I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to cut out that fleshly part. I'm going to do surgical work on your heart. And when that part is cut out, the disease is cut out. And now I can grow that heart again. I can grow it out into something that is pure, that is holy, that something that would, and that's why it says, unless you circumcise the heart, then, unless you circumcise the heart, God, you cannot love God. You look at the law of God, it's boring to you. You look at, uh, you, you come into a worship environment, you're like, ah, so sin, you know? But when God cuts out that part of our hearts that longs for itself, its own sustenance, our own lives. After all, did not Jesus say that those who seek to save their lives will lose it? Those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. The upside down law of the kingdom is at work when you yield your heart to God. You might think, God, if I can't bring my heart before you to circumcise, then I die, ma. You cut me, ma. Right? So I lose out, ma. Right? No. When he kills that part of you, you live. If you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Romans 8.13 Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Bring your heart before Him because God wants to encounter you heart to heart. First, He encounters you face to face. He brings you to face up to all the things that you are and all the things that you are not. And then he starts to encounter you. As he encounters you face to face, he brings you closer to his image. Then he encounters you heart to heart. And in that place of intimacy, he reveals his heart to you. He reveals his heart to you so that, and he does surgical work on our hearts so that he transforms us from deep insiders. I can tell you this one thing, my friends. 40 days is classic case. You're fasting, you're praying. You, there's a lot of external spiritual behaviors going on. There is the attending of altars 
that's a spiritual behavior, right? You, you're doing something. There is the abstinence of food. That's a spiritual behavior, right? And there is uh, um, there's praying for, 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 for yourself and for people. And to some extent, that's a spiritual behavior. There's a lot of external doing. I can tell you there'll be a lot of it. There's going to sell, doing a lot of things, attending altars together. Uh, there's a lot of doing things. But God's transformation does not happen from outside in. Let me say that one more time. God's going to do a transforming work in your life. Yes. Is it going to be from outside in? No. Is it going to be changed my behaviors first and then hopefully something inside will change? No. When there is a disease in a tree, it doesn't start at the leaves and then comes all the way in. That's not how it works. You can clip the leaves. They'll grow back again. It happens at the root. It happens in the, in, in right in the deepest inner recesses of whatever that is. Same for trees, same for us. If there is a disease in us and God wants to do a transforming work, He's not going to do it by starting to manage our behaviours. So I can mandate for all of you guys to show up for altars. It's not going to change you. I can mandate for you to come to church every Sunday. It's not going to change you. That alone will not change you. I can say, you all must anchor cells, cells must anchor altar, huh? Masa, masa. I want to tell you this 40 days, three times. Yeah. It's not going to change you. Where is the change going to take place? Heart to heart. In the heart to heart place with God, He gives you a new heart. He writes His law on a tablet of your heart, on your heart, on the heart of flesh. Ezekiel 37, I take out the heart of stone, I put back in a heart of flesh so that you would obey me, says the Lord. So it's all going to happen inside here. So your place of intimacy, my friends, the place of intimacy is super important. Before you can step out to a place of authority, your place of intimacy is where God does the transforming work. If you don't have this and you short circuit to this, it's all a show. That's fake it till you make it. That's a place where it's all a show. Imposter syndrome happens like that. But when you really go into a place where surgical work takes place, He will take you day by day, outer and outer and outer it will become visible. Amen? And so, my friends, we have got our dominant altars every Saturday. You all know this. We all know this, right? And I'm not going to hear me and jam it out and go like, come on, I want, I want all of you all to attend. I want to roster cells to attend. I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm going to be real straight with you guys. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm not going to start going to you and say, you must attend, huh? you must attend, huh? you must attend. Huh? I, want, I want your attendance to be out of an overflow. An overflow of your desire to, 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 be, to, be, to have God shine out of your face. I would love for that. And maybe, maybe I might even be considered too idealistic. And maybe if I force you all to come, something will happen in the place of encounter here and then something will change. But I'd rather not force you all to come, right? I'd rather persuade you to come. I'd rather you be persuaded by God Himself to come. And so it's not necessarily just about the, the altars we anchor. It's also about the place where you encounter God in your own place of intimacy. But one good place to grow is to come for the altars. I can tell you that when I pray by myself, it really feels someday so dry, so, so tiring, and it's like I'm pushing against wind. And just yesterday um, at our altar, Pastor Ramesh was, was, was sharing with, with us in the Dominate Prayer Altar about the principle and the law of the slipstream. If you, if you, if you, how many of you, you cycle? 
you, 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 you do road, road cycling. Yes, one or two of you, right? Okay. If you do road cycling, you will know that you cycle in a straight line. And I have a friend who was uh, fairly new at that time to road cycling. He had a group of friends, about 15 of them, and they were all cycling from here to Cyberjaya. And halfway through, he really wanted a drink, okay? And they are cycling one, two, three, four in single file, okay? And halfway through, he wanted a drink. So he slowed down, he pulled up by the side, he thought, I'll catch up with you guys. Because I think a drink is how many minutes, right? One minute, I stop, I pop up my bottle, I drink, I put it back down, I kayo again, you know? I will be one minute behind them, I think I can catch up. You know that by the end of that ride, how many minutes he was behind? You want to guess? Was it one minute? No, you're shaking your heads. Why? Isn't, wasn't his delay only one minute? One minute what? Why shouldn't he? Imagine he kayo the same rate. Wouldn't he be one minute behind? He was a good half an hour behind. You want to know why? Because of the law of the slipstream. When the first guy goes, he is cutting into resistance. He's cutting into air. Commonwealth Games is happening and I think we won a bronze for Kirin, right? They're cycling in a circle, going round and round the velodrome, right? When you, when you cycle forward, when you move forward, you cut into resistance. So the second guy is, who is behind you is going into a, an atmosphere of reduced resistance. And, but they're also cutting into the, in, into the resistance. So the third guy is going into a space of even less resistance. And so after a while, the first guy will tire. They'll go around the back. The first guy, the second guy will go to the front and cut, keep cutting into the resistance. And then as an entire team, because they are not always the first person, ma. first person slower, ma. Uh, first person will tire, they will go to the back and the new person will keep cutting into it, ma. right? That's the law of the slipstream. And when you pray by, if you ever wonder why, when I pray by myself, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's because you are one person cutting into the resistance. You're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. And just as you're tiring, there's no one to come and give you a lift. There's no one to come and take over from you being on the front because you're alone. You're like my friend, half an hour behind, cycling alone. It's lonely, it's tiring, it's full of resistance. And you never really achieve the kind of joy of the cycling that he was hoping to get that day. Same for you. When you pray alone, you pray, you push, you push, you push, you cut into the resistance the whole time by yourself. And you never enter the joy of the communion and the place of encounter that you originally hoped to get. But when you come into a place where we pray together, someone is always taking the lead and cutting into the resistance, pushing forward, and you get to enjoy the law of the slipstream. You flow better. You move quicker. You enter into the thing um, in, in, in a togetherness that brings you into that place where God wants to take you. That's why we gather to pray. Every Saturday, 9 to 10, right here. Everybody hold your finger up. Point to the ground beneath you and say, right here. We pray right here. We pray right here. And this is a random thought, but Pastor Ramesh, I was thinking that maybe one of the Saturdays, everybody on your phone, join Zoom, selfie stick, prayer walk. And we are all connected and we pray a walk. Maybe one day we'll do that, right? We'll do that. Okay, one of the Saturdays we'll do that. Dominate on the ground, right? And of course, main church will be anchoring altars every single um, month, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? And so those, those days, um, um, tiny.cc, SIBKL altar, we will be anchoring two of those. Two of those, as Sue Ann shared just now, on the 11th and 25th come. Where will it take place? Bangunan Yin. 
sixth floor. Okay, sixth floor. Yes, Bangunan Yin, sixth floor. So I actually want to encourage us, they can take about 60 packs, okay? Um, it's not meant to be the whole church go, but because our church is this size, I think we can all go, we can all meet there, you know? It's meant to be this praying team go, right? But I think we can all be the praying team in Sungai Bulo and we can all join. Uh, um, we'll, we'll update you again as we get closer to the date, right? But 11th and 25th, Bangunan Yin, sixth floor, we gather, we pray, the atmosphere becomes hot like crazy, you know, and we come out shining. Amen? 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 Of course, yes. Every Saturday, dominate altar and these two days. Let's move on to the authority of God. When you spend time face-to-face -face with God, when you spend time in the intimacy with God, He does a work heart-to-heart -heart with you. You come out with the authority to manifest God decisively. Now, I've been spending time thinking about King David. Moses and David, both of them spent time with God. Both of them had their place of intimacy. Both of them came out into a place of authority. And this is what David says. Right, just maybe minutes, maybe an hour before going to slay Goliath, he says this to Saul. David said to Saul, the king, David's a young man, Saul's the king, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because, all because, he has defied the armies of the living God. It's young man, we're young chap. But what's happened with him? He has been in the place where he is alone in the wilderness with his sheep, but not alone, but with God. He is now entered into the place of his connection and encounter with God. He is accustomed to being with God. And now he can step into the battlefield and he can come eye to eye. He can come eye to eye with Satan. He can come eye to eye with the accuser. He can come eye to eye with his giant. And he has no fear. And all the rest of Israel are quaking in fear. You know the story, right? First Samuel 17. All of Israel are fearful. Goliath comes out once or twice a day and he just talks smack, right? Like, oh, I'm going to kill all of you. You know, and whoever wins this battle uh, um, uh, wins the whole thing. <laughs> and day by day by day by day, that took place. And every day, as long as the giants kept coming out and kept talking smack, the people of God started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking back. And church, it won't be us. We are the guys, by the way, we are the guys who go, ah, yeah, that's us. That's us, okay? That's Jesus. David is Jesus. It's the power and the courage and the strength and the might of Jesus that says, I can stand before the enemy and the enemy will flee. But how? Where is the connecting point between us and Jesus? Because I don't want to be the guy who runs and hides behind a suitcase. I don't want to be the guy who leads people to go like, ah. you know, I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy or that girl. You don't want to be that. So where? How do you transform? How do you transform from being you know, that to being eye to eye. You transform 
You transform when you allow the power and courage of God to come into you. That's the place of authority. You come out and he has authority to stand before Goliath and say, you're going to die today, man. And when he slings a stone, I believe in my heart of hearts, it is not purely because he has slung stones before. It's not purely because he has had experience with the bear and the lion. The Lord directed that stone. And there is no human way possible. A slingshot and a stone can embed a stone into a skull. You know how heavy a skull is? Plus the skull of uh, of a semi-deformed man like that? No way without the power of God. And so, my friends, you too will stand before the giants in your life. You too will say, you're going down today. Why? And what's going to cause it to go down? Not your bravado, not your Hollywood moment where you say, down. You know, it's not any of that. It will be the power of the living God. Obtain where? In your altars, in your personal altars, in our corporate altars, in your fasting in your deprivation of your flesh so that you may gain Christ, so that you may gain the Spirit, it happens in those places, eye to eye. Let me show you Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. This is extremely part of a kingdom series. The kingdom of God one day is going to say, finally come, complete. We live in the, by the way, we live in the now and the, how many of you can finish this sentence? We live in the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. We live in days where we have experienced the power of the kingdom now. But there are still a fullness of the kingdom that hasn't been, been fulfilled yet, not yet. We can see God heal people of cancer. We see it now. Will we see every cancer patient saved? Not yet. We see demonized people set free now. Do we see every single demonized person, every single place of darkness completely turn around? Not yet. We live in this place between the now and the not yet. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like going to the to, to the to, to the grocer and getting like a sample taster, right? Of like an apple juice, right? You taste the apple juice, you know what the full product is like. You got a sample. And because you know the sample, you know exactly what's in store for you. But a full version of that sample. God has given us an expression, a taste of what full expression of kingdom is like. We live in the now. You have drank the sample. You know what it's like. You like it. If you like it, sacrifice something. In a grocer, you pay money for it, right? In your life now, you sacrifice something. Have you tasted the power of God? Sacrifice one meal, two meals. You pay the price, you bear the cost, and you obtain what He wants for you. He takes you slowly from the now, out of the now, to the next, to the next, into the not yet. Every day we are cutting through headwind into what God has in store for us. And that's what's happening here. One day, they will say, the kingdom of our God is here and the authority of His Messiah. 
for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuse The accuser, the accuser who accuses us day and night, he's going to say, fake one lie, you're 40 days, bluff one lie, you're only doing this for show lie, you're only this, you're doing that, you know, you're not really spiritual, uh, you're doing this all for your selfish gain, you're doing that. Don't let that voice get you. Don't let that voice get you. Stand in the place of authority because when you do, the one who accuses you, accuses the brothers and sisters, is going to be what? Hurled down. By what? They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. These two things are going to throw Satan down in these 40 days in now. And that this verse is talking about the future. For us now, it is not yet. But one day, he is going to absolutely, completely hurl the enemy down. By what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When you testify to God's power, Satan gets cut down. When you speak of God's goodness in your life, you think that it's just, I talk only, ma. I feel like, I don't know, I don't really feel like talking. You know what? You know what? Out of your mouth will proceed life. Do you not believe out of your mouth will proceed life? And so we begin with the face-to-face -face with God. He does the heart-to-heart -heart with us. We come to a place where we can stare the enemy down eye to eye and then he resuscitates the world. All around us. He does a resuscitating work on the world. Through what? Through that which proceeds from your mouth. And I know when someone goes down, we do a mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. We breathe life from one person to another so that there is a resuscitation of life. Someone else literally can be jolted back into life. I've done mouth-to-mouth -mouth once in my life. We were doing DM cell in a rough neighborhood. And uh, I think at least one of you here was here with me that day, that night. And we came down from cell that night and one guy was down in a car park, I think a gang fight. And we had to like surround this guy and like everybody was like, oh, sudah mati, oh, sudah mati. And I, actually, I don't know what happened to him. But they called, they were like, oh, call ambulance, panggil ambulance, this, that, this, that, you know. Bawa lah, amicator, no one. And I, I just mouth to mouth the gala. And I, I, I learned it before. So I mouth to mouth him. And I felt for his pulse. And I really couldn't tell because it was so chaotic. And then suddenly someone said, hey, kater, da, da, And they put him into the car and drove him away. I never found out what happened to him. But the Lord wants to do a resuscitating work in our lives. He wants to do a resuscitating work in the land, in the world we live in. He wants to do a work to breathe life. And how does He breathe life? Through your mouth. The testimony you will give, the word of life that you will give will cause Satan to be struck down. Do you not see? Do you not see, my friends, that the accuser uses his mouth to bring death? But you uses testimony you use testimony to bring life. So the transformation of the world will be 
through what you have control over. Your mouth-to-mouth -mouth can make a big difference. Throughout these 40 days, whatever small thing God gives you, whatever small breakthrough God shows you, testify. Testify. I'm going to sing of the work of my God. I'm going to praise His name. If God gives you a, we always joke, Apa. testify. If God brings breakthroughs, small breakthroughs in your workplace, testify. If He's doing a work in the family with, 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 with relatives uh, 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 you have, with, with, with close friends, I'm praying for some people these 40 days. And I know my God is going to come through. I know my God is going to come through. One of the girls in one of our cells uh, says this, you don't know, you see my God. You see my God. Just wait till you see my God. He will do it, right? And I love that. So what a spirit to have. What a spirit to have. I'm going to testify. I'm going to testify. You see my God. So throughout these 40 days, you probably won't be able to keep this with you the whole time. Tiny.cc slash SB testify. And you will cut down paths of darkness all around you by the word of your testimony. Amen? My friends, today is the launch. And in the next 40 days, we'll be fasting. And I thought to myself, do I want to talk much about fasting? You know, um, there is much to say about fasting. But maybe in the days to come. Today, I really want to bring you to a place of commitment. To a place where you can commit and say, that I will not love my life so much that I will shrink from death. These are the heroes in the future, in the not yet. Eh? The same people who defeat the Satan, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies, they triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, as they laid their lives down, Satan got destroyed and then they were raised. As they laid their lives down, remember Jesus said, those who lay their lives down for me will find it. Those who try to save their life, if you can't see, you really die. Right? But if you're the Lord will give you true life, everlasting life. So church, my dream is for all of us to have a courage, a spiritual courage to lay down our lives before Jesus, knowing that whatever lies beyond the other shore is worth it. It will be eternal life. But if you can't see it, you try to cling on to all the good things you have, that's when you lose it, man. You absolutely lose it. I want to share one last story with you. I'll try to make it quick. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Recapturing the Wonder. And the author retells a story. Um, uh, and the story is called Three Sisters and a Dead Man. It's a, it's a very grim, dark um, Scottish folk tale. So, Europeans have very, very grim stories. Man. Story goes like this. A mother sends her three daughters out into, in, to live their lives outside. And she says to them, you can either have a big loaf of bread and a curse or a small loaf of bread and a blessing. Choose. The first two girls choose the big loaf of bread with a curse. Why? I don't know why. They take that loaf, they go out. They find somewhere to sit and eat and ravens start coming, you know, to try to eat the bread, right? They say no to the ravens. Shoot. 
get out, you know? And then along the way, it starts to rain. She gets tired. Both girls get tired. They are in separate places. And uh, someone comes up to them and says, my brother has died, but I want you to look after his body. So a grim folktale, okay? It's very dark, okay? Uh, um, I want you to look after his body so that nothing disturbs him, you know? Um, so, okay. She takes the, the both girls take on the job. And then um, halfway through, the dead brother comes back alive, like, like you know? And you're laughing, right? Okay? Um, and, and the ravens, come and distract her okay she eats the food she falls asleep she doesn't look after that the, 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 she doesn't see that the old, that the dead man has come alive the woman comes okay and kills the kills the first sister okay for failing in her in her job kills the second sister for failing in her job because they did not watch the dead man and kept him dead right gosh the weird story why are you telling this the third sister said I'm going to take the small loaf with a blessing she goes out with that loaf. There's not much. The ravens come. She shares the bread with them. She says, have this bread. I've got this bread. It was a gift. I never had it to begin with. I never had it. To, it was not mine to begin with. And whatever I have, okay, la, I share with you. La. She goes on. She meets the woman. The woman gives her the same job. Look after my dead brother's body. Make sure he doesn't come up. You know? She sits down. She falls asleep. And then the ravens come, wake her up. Because the ravens have goodwill with her. The ravens wake her up. She wakes up. She sees the guy. She beats a man down. He goes back to being dead. Story. I don't know. There's a point to this. I promise you. And then the woman comes and tells her that, that she has passed the test. And she gives her some magical elixir and then the story ends, right? But here's the thing about the story. The two older sisters lived with a deprivation mindset. And they lived as if the world was not enchanted. They lived as if the world was only made of matter. So that big loaf with a curse. Bother the curse. It's nothing. The curse is nothing. I got the big loaf. Yeah, so it's a net gain, right? Big loaf uh, um, with a curse, but curses don't mean anything. So it's a net gain. Big loaf, let's go, right? And then the third girl lived as if the world was enchanted and that curses and blessings do matter. And that a small loaf with a blessing is a net gain compared to a big loaf because a small loaf with a blessing, the blessing is much more than the loaf and it's not yours to begin with. And so she went out into the world with a mindset that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of blessing that comes from the Lord. These next 40 days, you're going to be asked by God to give up some bread and to choose the small loaf with a blessing. I trust we will all choose life. Amen. In your hands is a commitment card. In your hands is a commitment card. And the commitment card has three parts. If you need a pen, you can ask for one. And someone from the Connect team will come. You can just raise your hand um, and someone will, from the Connect team will pass it to you. Just pick mine up. Part A says my commitment to fast. Now, 
there are some preset fasts there. You can do it however you like. You can choose one or you can write your own. I've written my own. I've written my own. I've given myself an eating window every day, right? Uh, with one day break, I've given myself an eating window of X hours, right? Um, and, and during that window, I'll eat. Outside of that window, it's just liquids, right? That's my fast, okay? Um, what's your fast? You will know. You can write it down. Or you don't have to write it down now. You can commit to it in prayer. Go back home and you can write it down when you are very clear about it. Part A is your fast. That bread, the small loaf. Your part A is your small loaf. Part B, my commitment to spend time with God. This is going to be your place of intimacy. Your place of intimacy where you say, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to spend time in quiet. Leaders, if you have experienced what it's like to enter into a place of quiet, this is that place of intimacy. You want to recreate Lectio Divina? That's your chance. If you want to recreate Silent Retreat, that's your chance. Whatever you want to recreate, leaders, you've experienced it, the rest of the church, what is, what is going to happen in your place of intimacy? It's going to be there. You want to read the Bible plan that's given to you by the NECF booklet? You want to write it on your own? If you want a Bible plan, you can always talk to me. I'm a bit of a Bible plan geek, so we can talk about it. Part C is that collective altar, that praying together. Now, main church has said this, there are MUFW prayer altars every week. I told you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's, there's prayers all the time. We have got our altars. I want to challenge you. Would you come for our Dominate Altar in person right here? You can come for Sundays, clearly, because you're here, right? Online, um, would you come for our Dominate Altars? Online, would you come? Even just log in since you are online, right? Would you come, physical, physical church? Come here and pray together. Even just once in the six weeks where we are doing our 40 days. I told you, I ain't going to force you. It's right here. God's going to say, will you choose the small loaf with a blessing? And he's saying, come. Join us here and enter that place of slipstream so that someone will keep taking turns to lead you so that we can press forward together. And then the signing is more for yourself. God's not going to look at your signature. <laughs> it's not binding in the, in the eyes of Malaysian law, but it's your commitment to God. And maybe that makes it even more important. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I hold in my hands this commitment card. Can you just hold the commitment card in your hand? Father, I hold this card. This card is just paper with print, but it's more than just paper with print. This card represents my commitment to you. This card represents my solemn oath to you. This card represents my reverent vow before you that I will choose life, that I will choose you, that I will choose to spend time in a place of intimacy with you so that I can be face to face with you. This card is my way of saying, Lord, that I put my heart into your hands for you to do a heart surgery on me. This, heart, this card is my way of saying that with you in my life, I can stand before giants eye to eye and through you, the world can have a resuscitating power only because of you. But through me, I get to be part of your resuscitating of the world. Thank you, Lord. 
I want a heart to know you. Father, this is my solemn pledge. My 40 days I give to you. I declare, Lord, that these 40 days I give to you so that you can be Lord of my life, so that I can be your son or daughter and you can be my God. And you give me a heart to know you. Father, we thank you, Lord God. And when we fight, we fight on our knees, Lord God. We go to God in prayer. We go to you in prayer, Lord God. Father, we thank you for these 40 days that lie ahead. Holy Spirit, come and move. Holy Spirit, come and move. It's not about our doing. It's about your enabling. Just rest for one moment in the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. Lend the strength for the, for the journey ahead. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you peace. And all of God's people, shout aloud. Amen. Amen.